Throughout our life, we make all kinds of connections. From our neighbors to our co-workers, from family members to people we interact with in business every day. What about the connections we make to ourselves? Today, we'll explore the connections that we make and how they define our lives. This is Things Worth Considering with hosts Gord Riddell and Dr. Jan Hill. It's time to listen and learn. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Things Worth Considering. I'm Gord Riddell, and I am here with my co-host, the incomparable Dr. Jan Hill. Uh, welcome back. We missed you uh, last week. You were not here. You were taking care of students elsewhere at the university, and uh, I replaced you. Yes. I had Linda Linda Kushner, and I had Pauline O'Hanlon from the college sitting in for you. Thank you for the welcome back, and yeah, they were fantastic. Yeah, they did a great job. Yeah. They really did a great job, but you know... I think they're, they've got an eye on your your show. I'm happy to share, but they have to fight me for it. <laughs> I'm going to have to get two chairs then, though. It, oh, that's okay. Elbows. I've got good elbows. <laughs> no, they did it. They did a, a totally superb job. And uh, you know what's really cool is that um, we have, we'll have Pauline uh, back actually uh, doing her specialty area in a couple of weeks. So we'll tell you more about that soon. Uh, now, you know, last week we were looking at. Uh, unexpected events that force us into creating change in our life when our kind of world you know, collapses or it explodes, one of the two, um, as we used uh, figuratively last week when the universe takes a you know, plank to us to get our attention because we weren't listening in the first place. Anyway, I know we've all been there. and It's a bit crazy until we begin to go through the change and get most of the way through the change before we start to feel normal. Um, today, though, you and I are going to share... Everything that we know, absolutely everything, about having our own lives blow up a few times and how we can stop that by planning for change. Mm, yeah, that's an important point because change can happen um, purposefully or just totally by accident. And so it's a really good thing to kind of uh, anticipate some of those changes that might come down the way. I always call that sort of a safety plan in place <laughs> myself. Yeah, that safety plan is just so important. You know, it's, it's not even a safety plan. I think it's as much as just sort of being in touch uh, so much of the time is just being in touch with ourselves and what's, what's going on on the inside. Because, uh, you know, it's terrible if uh, we don't have sort of at least an idea as to you know, what do we do when the plank comes down? You know, the one thing that we, we kind of ignore, and yet it's absolutely one of those things like death and taxes, inevitable, and that's change. There's everything around us is constantly changing. Humans somehow think we don't have to change. That's what's so bizarre. We, you know, we just don't have to. Um, we're surrounded by change. We watch change. We actually look at ourselves and change. I look at you and go, wow, you've changed a lot since last week. Yeah. Yeah. All my um, cells. You know, I, maybe because it's Valentine's, you look, you know, fabulous today. Uh, Thanks, You're going to have to be my Valentine for this hour. Okay. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, that was so easy. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but if, if we just sit waiting for outcomes, uh, you know, the problem is, is that, if we we don't have that plan, if we just let it happen and go, oh, well, deal with it when it happens, is that we're left without choices, we're left without options, we're right up against the, you know, the board, and that's a very scary place to be, you know. Um, one of the things that certainly we know from research is, is that change is much more doable when we actually have a say in it somehow, you know, when, when they, you know, bring it into the uh, the corporate office or something like that. So, 
Yeah, and you know, I think the importance of managing change and the skills that go with managing change are becoming increasingly more recognized. I know in HR, when we talk about uh, in human resources departments and stuff, when they're looking at hirings, they're looking at people who are resilient, which translates into somebody who doesn't get freaked out by change, right? Where you can take your skill set that you have and you can say, how do I, how can I use what it is I have already over here? Or how can I adapt it? Um, to a different scenario. So this is this the capacity to manage change and the awareness that a person brings to the change process is like absolutely pivotal to career success. Yeah, you know, uh, change has actually been studied so much, which is really interesting mm-hmm. because it's kind of like, who would want to study change? Well, so much is involved in change in just the human human you know uh, uh, experience that they've actually broken it down into a number of of, uh, of topics or uh, stages. Um, and I thought that maybe we should just look at those stages because it's helpful uh, for us to know kind of where we're at with certain things we might be thinking of or not thinking of. Um, so, uh, you know, the very first stage is called the pre-contemplation stage. Now, I'm not even sure why they put this stage in here because it's basically a, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> you know, bringing up like, you know, you need to go on a diet, you need to stop drinking, you need to quit smoking, you know, those kinds of things. The person's going to say, that's not going to happen. Yeah, but I think what happens in the pre-contemplation stage, because this is the work on, this is Prochaska's work yeah, on Rhode absolutely, Island, absolutely, right? Absolutely. So I think what his whole point is around the pre-contemplation stage is that you know that something's not right in your life, but you can't really identify what it is. People might be saying, oh, you know, this, you drink too much, or, you know, you might notice you don't show up to work on time, or whatever your thing is. You know that there's something that's just kind of not quite right, or your relationships aren't going the way you want them to, but you don't really know what it is. You, But you have that feeling inside you that something's going on that you need to take a look at. And um, as it sort of starts to reveal itself more, you might be surprised by what you see. You might have a sense of disbelief. You might have a sense of, well, I can't really accept that this might actually be my problem, right? So you might not <laughs> even be be thinking that you're accountable for what is actually happening in your life. So it's that stage before you actually take ownership, I think, and go, oh, I think I have to think about this more deeply. And because these stages are cyclical, we go back and forth sometimes between the pre-contemplation and the next stage, which Mm -hmm. is the contemplation stage. We go back and forth between all these stages all the time, right? Well, you know, I I don't know. I guess it's just when someone is in denial, it's kind of like, it could be years that they're going to sit there. Oh, totally. But, you know, maybe maybe that's what he's referring to. I guess I'm thinking of something a little more, you know, now. You know, I'm going to uh, uh, head into change. I'm going to do each one of these stages in, like, probably two to three days. Uh, but whereas the pre-contemplation stage, that's kind of a long time for someone to come out of, you know, or, or out of a denial or move just into an awareness that this really is a problem. Oh, and it takes you years, know. right? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, how high does a credit card have to go before we realize that we have trouble with finances? Yeah, how many times do you have to (laughs) ring it off and then work like a dog to pay it off, Mm -hmm. right? Or to you ring it up and then you work like a dog to pay it off and then you ring it up again. Exactly, exactly, with all the phone calls in between. Exactly. I'm wondering when we would be expecting a payment from you, sir. Mm. Well, don't be expecting it. uh, You can go home now for the evening. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Let's go to stage two then. Okay. And that's the contemplation stage. So this is the this is the stage where you actually recognize that you have a challenge or something that either change is coming or that you need to make a change. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So I think the one thing that's really interesting about Prochaska's model is in most cases, what he's actually talking about is, is that process where we actually come to recognize that change needs to happen. So in the contemplation stage, you've moved from away from that place of, oh, something's really wrong here, but I'm not sure what it is to, oh, something is really wrong here. And um, I'm, I'm not ready to make a change, but I'm ready to consider to make a change, right? And and what that change might look like. So sometimes in the contemplation stage, you're actually also trying to really figure out what the problem actually is, right? Whose problem, um, it's like that idea of whose problem is it? What is yeah. my problem? If you're in a relationship with somebody and you have a problem, you might actually have two different problems. Was this true? Right? So you, this is the stage where you have to but get really fault. clear on what your problem actually is. And and the other person's problem might not be your problem. You might have a completely different problem. Oh, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so for uh, people who are contemplating, sometimes you can get stuck in the contemplation phase. Right. And so you see this a lot with I see this all the time with people who are writing their PhDs. <laughs> they get stuck for years. 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 I just need to read one more book. I need to research one more thing. I need to interview one more person. Yeah. You know, and, and so that that contemplation stage has to have a beginning and an end. And it's easy if you're a ruminator to get stuck in that contemplation stage for sure. And go over it and over it. I have so many friends that took years and years until the universities basically said, you either cough something up or you're out of the program. Or get out. Exactly. Because exactly. they just couldn't couldn't carry it on much longer. It was amazing how they just ruminated over the smallest little thing. Of course, those that actually pushed themselves in forward did brilliantly. Yeah. 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 Which moved them into the preparation stage. <laughs> right. Exactly. Stage three, preparation. You know, this stage is, uh, they're getting ready to take action. Uh, they're decisive. They're more confident. And importantly, they're committed because people before this, they're not really committed. At any point, they're going to walk away and say, nah, I really don't want to you know, lose weight or I don't want to go on a diet, stop drinking, any of those, any of those things. Or go to the gym, get fit. You know, it doesn't matter what the cardiologist said. I'm just not ready to go there. All right. Uh, so the, the pros of actually you know, making the change are now starting to outweigh the, the, the cons, all right? So you you see it might actually work out for you in the end. So there's that a really, which really builds confidence, you know, mm. uh, and self-esteem when you have a, a sense of, well, if I do this, this is what's going to happen. Right. And you know? you're collecting resources, right? Because that's the whole preparation stage. You're collecting Absolutely. resources. You're assessing what you need. So you're doing this needs analysis and you're looking to see, you, you know, and you're strategizing, What's the best way to solve my problem? What's the best way to make this change? And again, if you're a planner person, you might skip over the contemplation because you just want to make that plan. You want to create that strategy. Yeah, but the strategy (laughs) you create might not actually, and all this preparation you do might not actually be designed to address the problem you really have because you skipped through the contemplation stage. That's right. Right? That's right. So you Which means you skip resources. Yeah, and you you haven't thought through what the actual situation is and what the change that you have to make actually is and what it's going to look like. So uh, you mean more than uh, just money when you're talking about resources? Oh That's yeah, who's going to help you exactly? Right. Who to talk to? Who's going to be a trainer? Who's yeah. going to be a guidance person? Yeah. What information doctor? do you need? Right. Yeah. yeah. And even even in terms of thinking about how does that change actually help you in your life? Like thinking through the change. Enough to know that, 
you know, it, whatever change you choose is going to have ramifications short term and long term. So some mm-hmm. people will make a change. Right. And in the short term, they go, this is fantastic. But in the long term, it's like this. I don't like this change. Right. <laughs> right. Yep, I always think absolutely. of people who learn to drive, for example, to use kind of a mundane example, is people go, oh, this is great. I learned to drive. Now I don't have to ask my sister to drive me places. But in the long term, it is great. Now everybody else in the family is asking you to drive them places. <laughs> Especially the hockey games. Especially yep. the hockey games. Get a new van, fill it up, get the kids on the road. <sighs> yeah. Because hockey uh, equipment The joy of, of the northern li- lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, all right, then we're jumping right into action, isn't it? That's the next phase, I believe. Yep. Um, so this is the person who's, you know, just going to take this and run with it. Um, you know, but th- there's also, while they're building this sort of momentum and knowledge and confidence, um, you know, there's a whole lot of small choices and small smaller things that have to be addressed as we go along. Um, I think that's the thing that gets in the way of anybody who's like a, kind of a, like I am. I'm, I'm a big picture guy. I'm a, you know, a, uh, uh, you know, want to to know the, um, you know, uh, where am I going to get you quickly? I don't want the details. And so when I have to like say I'm buying a house and I have to go and I have to meet with a lawyer and then we have to meet to go over the plan. And then, you know, all of this, it's just like, just do it. That's why I'm paying you. And the bank, just give me the money. We can do the mortgage. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not, I'm terrible at wanting to do detail, but get me into a big picture and I, I can just zoom right for it. Yeah. And so, you know, what often happens with people is they get overwhelmed in the action stage. And this fits into what we were yeah. talking about breaking down, because remember, this fits in with your your mortgage story is that the de- what do they say? The devil's in the details, which basically <laughs> means, you know, if you're a big per- picture person, that's fantastic because not everybody is. And we need somebody who can hold the vision. But where does a big picture person get held up it's often in the details it's like whoa i forgot to do this and whoa i forgot to do that which turns out to be the devil right i'm like you gord i'm the big picture person right and uh yeah after falling over a bunch of details so many times (laughs) you know i think i i think now i spend a lot of time thinking more about the details than i would naturally be inclined to do no, I don't. I don't even look to see no. if I just tripped over a crack. I just look to see if I just tripped over a detail. You know, they're just all over the place. But that's the, that's good, that for you, like, because you're so resilient, right? You just get right back up. I get right, right? back up. Exactly. Yeah, and a lot of people, a lot of people, uh, I notice this with big picture people. A lot of people aren't that kind of resilient. They don't have that kind of resilience. So when they get knocked flat, they get knocked flat. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, we're going to talk about resilience. I think a little bit later, I believe. Beautiful. Uh, so let's, you know, so then we get through it, and then we get into a whole area of what he calls maintenance in stage five. And maintenance is the, you know, let's say you quit drinking is, is that, you know, it's a lot of work to stay sober yep. and not drink or to stay on your diet, to stay with the gym, to stay with your cardiology, you know, workout, all of those things. So, um, yeah, that, that new behavior, it's, it, it's precarious at best. Yeah. Well, it's so easy to drop it. Yeah, and I think one of the things that helps us not drop it until it's actually become habituated is um, the is evaluating the effects that it's actually had on our lives, right? So when you can actually go down your list and go, look, by doing this behavior, by going to the gym, I feel healthier. It encourages me to eat better. It makes my relationships stronger with other people because they come to the gym with me. If you can actually go down the list, then that helps us maintain it. 
Right, it does. It does. It does because I think that we really have to understand how we're changing how our identity, you know, our our self identity and and how we see ourselves. How all of those things are adding up in here. Yeah. You know, because it when you change something, if you go to the gym and suddenly you're looking fabulous, then <laughs> you know you just have that confidence. You just you walk differently. You you know wear different clothes. You flaunt it, yeah. whatever. But it's your own self-image begins to change. And that, that has to be grounded into something. It can't be so superficial as yeah. in the mirror. And that actually leads us, when you get to that integrated phase, it leads us to the termination stage, which is the last stage. I don't want to die. Well, you won't well, die. You'll just be this new blossoming person with you your new you behavior. <laughs> with your new behavior, you'll have blossomed into your new self. Well, exactly, exactly. And, you know, once once that's there, it's just totally grounded uh, for us. Um, is is it, it just becomes second, you know, second nature now to us. It's uh, part of who we are, and we emulate that. It's not even a lot of work anymore, you know. Um, in fact, sometimes uh, he, he referred to it also as the adoption phase. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's when we don't have to worry about the old behavior um, uh, coming back. But... That's never true. That's never true. Because I always think the old behavior can come back, given the right situation. You have to ask, ask anybody in recovery, and they'll tell you. Relapse is just around the corner. So uh, we have to take a break here, folks. And uh, uh, this is uh, Gordon Dell and Dr. Jan Hill on uh, things worth considering. And we will be back right after these messages. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll-free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. What makes someone successful in their field? On Transformational Energy Leadership, Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey speaks to amazing guests who share their ideas, advice, tips, and tricks as to what defines success for them. The result is positive transformation for you. You'll learn that personal energy is the key to make it work, and you'll hear through actual examples how to bring that positive transformation to life. Listen live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. For so many years, adults and teens have experienced a breakdown in communication. It doesn't have to be like this. Listen for Tools for Teen Transformation with Lily Williams. Coach Lily and her guests will tackle subjects like bullying, self-esteem issues, teen pregnancy, substance abuse, and more. 
It's all about getting teens and the adults in their lives to think differently. You could save a teen's life. Tune in every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern and 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Vidal and Dr. Jan Hill. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now, back to Things Worth Considering. Welcome back. Uh, this is Gordon Dell and Dr. Jan Hill at uh, Things Worth Considering here on Voice America. Now, we're talking about uh, planning uh, change rather than it's exploding in our lives as to what can we do. So we just went through sort of uh, all the stages of it. And uh, now we're looking at but what motivates us. How do we get motivated to, to change even when we know we have to do it? it's still really hard to get that motivation. And there's, you know, there's really no one perfect answer here. It, it's so individual because what motivates you isn't gonna motivate me, you know? Um, so the, the motivator becomes, you know, really, really difficult. I think that, you know, bad motivators are things like rage and hatred. Those are not, <laughs> those are not good. Even though it might, you know what? Sometimes being angry can. Um, certainly I know when I have worked with uh, people in an abusive relationship, is is you know I will using a, a traditional model of a male and a female, and the woman has been hit. Um, that if we keep her angry, she will actually continue to move forward. It gives her empowerment. Yeah, uh, I think anger helps people get overcome overcome fear. It does often, right? It does. It's such a propeller, but you know, not when it's raging, not when it's hatred. Uh, it might get you off the sofa, but it it diminishes so quickly. Because mm-hmm. we just can't keep up at that level of intensity, just that emotional intensity. Yeah, for me, there's a big difference between um, what I think of as away from energy and towards energy. So away oh, from energy is the energy where you're kind of still in your problem, but you're like, oh, man, I got to get away from my problem. I hate my problem. So you're kind of still stuck in the problem framework. It's just instead of being in it uncritically, now you're in it in a critical way. So the direction is different. Instead of sitting in your problem and gravitating towards your problem, you've reversed the energy. Now you're trying to get away from it. And that to me feels like the place of motivation where you go, okay, I'm motivated to get away from this. What do I need to do? How do I need to do it? And then once you get away from your problem or you're far enough away from your problem that you feel safe, then motivation can switch over to inspiration. And that's where the towards energy picks Absolutely. up, right? That's where you're like, okay, now I'm going to focus on what I want, what what I really want to do in my life, what makes me feel good. And then getting out of bed at five o'clock in the morning to go and do whatever it is that you have to do that you you love doing doesn't feel as torturous as getting out of bed at five o'clock in the morning when you were in your away from energy. 
Well, that's true. That's true. I like I like the the the, the switch over to the inspiration. Yeah. You know. Inspiration is driven by joy. And I think it can actually fuel big lifestyle changes, right? When you mm. go through your dark night of the soul or whatever it is and you come out the other end and you go, you know what? I'm no, I'm just not living my life for other people anymore. I'm living it for myself and I'm going to put my priorities, what I love, uh, front and foremost, right? And that's that gets that diminishes the cognitive dissonance that we talked about. Well, it does, but I don't, you know, sure. I'm, I'm not sure that, you know, in terms of how you say that, um, you know that we can always always just make ourselves number one. If we have children, I mean, the children oh, sure. really need to be number one. You yeah. know, it's always uh, contextualized, right, within right. the okay. social media. We're have putting to do. that out there. Yeah, but it is contextualized. That of course. sometimes we just can't. You know, if if we're a, a care, you know, caregiver person, uh, if we're taking care of, you know, a family member or whatever. Uh, that we need to keep up with that that end of it as well. Mm-hmm. But it is it's you know what one of the ways that I this is one of the ways I always looked at it was. If you're you're in a relationship right now that's sort of not really all that great, and I took a photograph of it, where would you be in that photograph? Oh, that's a fantastic idea. Okay, so that in that photograph, mm. would you be standing side by side with your partner? Mm, probably not, or your mother or your father, whoever they're the problems with, right? Chances are you're going to be way in the back, in the background, and that other person is going to be in the forefront of your photograph. Ha, that's really it's true. It's just a really nice little exercise is think of something that you have a problem with and take, a, take an imaginary photo and where are you in that picture? Because if you aren't up front, at least standing side by side with somebody, there's something wrong. Right. All right. You may not be able to be front and center and push everybody out of the photograph. You may want to, but our obligations sometimes don't allow that. But at least be in the foreground. Be up front with the other players uh, that's in your life or in your job. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's just a great little, uh, um, you know, little uh, exercise that you can do. It's actually quite fantastic. Yeah, you're just going click, 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 click. Yeah, exactly. My mind is going through like my little Rolodex of relationships, everyone I know. Who are all these people? Click, 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 Exactly, right? And where am I? What am I wearing? Exactly. You know, one of the things, too, is that um, if we could treat ourselves the way that we treat other people, mm-hmm. you know, makes planning uh, and, and changing just so much easier. Um, just, you know, having that self-compassion, and that's really hard for a lot of people, you know, mm-hmm. is to care about ourselves because we really weren't taught how to take care of ourselves. We took care of other people. You know, we made sure that mom and dad were okay and maybe brothers and sisters, but it's um, it's a very hard thing for us to, you know, to treat people uh, uh, or to treat ourselves as well as we treat other people. You know, so what you're saying reminds me of this. I think the away from energy that I was referring to, to before is actually usually infused with big emotion, mm. right? And so in that scenario, the big emotion that we have is not necessarily caretaking emotion. It's that fear, rage, anger, whatever it is. But have you ever noticed when you're in a towards energy mode and that inspiration, that's where you're actually taking care of yourself. Right. Right? Right. And that's a very, it can be an enthusiastic, energy-filled emotion. Um, and it can be uh, like overtly joyful or it can be subtly joyful. But the question of am I doing the right thing or, you know, what about all these other things I have to do in my life doesn't really show up because, you're so committed to that movement towards that change. 
Absolutely. Right? It's because it's just a part of who you are. And I think caretaking, I think that's an important part of caretaking. Because if you're doing that and you go back to your your visualization of the photo that you're in, if if you've got that in your life, then you're going to be you're going to be at the front of the photo. Right. 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 And that's a hard one, though. This is just such a hard one for people because, you know, if we're always used to, you know, or we've been taught to always be behind. And now it's like, you know, sort of in, in, in the psych field is that, oh, you have to put yourself first. Well, one of, you know, one of the things that I discovered was I, I just can't do that. That's not who I am, you know. But what I did do is promise that I would walk side by side with people. Right. And so I think sometimes what happens is when we hear put yourself first, we think of it sort of as a, well, be narcissistic, be selfish, right? But really put yourself first means, I think in my mind, it means remember the relational nature of who we are because we are people in community. You can never remove yourself from that. And life has meaning only through community and through who we relate to, right? right? And how we're relating to it. So um, because because of that feedback loop, right? We put stuff out, we get stuff back. We put stuff out, we get stuff back. That that whole feedback loop. So, so put yourself first doesn't mean forget that you're in community. It means understand that the that you will have an impact on the other people in your community through your choices. Oh, oh absolutely, and they will and they will impact us as well. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean, that's uh, you know so important to do. I think you know one of the things when we talk about this is you know recognizing what we can control and what we can't control. You know, we try to control other people, events, places, things, and we can't. The only thing that we have control over is ourselves. Yep. That's it. Yep. You know, that's why I absolutely love the serenity prayer. Whether you're an AA, whether you're or not, it doesn't matter. This is such a great great reminder, you know, that is, you know, God grant me this, and you can change God to whatever you want it to be. It can be your puppy dog's name. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. It's the sentiment here of grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change and the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. That wisdom piece, we spend so much time and so much energy trying to change things that we have absolutely no ability to change. A lifetime, a lifetime worth. It's just absolutely unbelievable. Absolutely. It's, uh, and I think the serenity piece, uh, the letting go piece comes from actually acknowledging that we can take actions and we can, you know, we can be who we want to be. And yet, even in being who we want to be, we still have no control over the outcome. So it's you're letting go of the outcome, you're letting go of the expectations. And expectations is a great place to just spin yourself out all over again. Yeah. You know, I think that, you know, the more expectations we have, like when we're getting into change, and, and this is going to come up in, in a minute uh, as well, is is um, when those expectations just set us up for absolute disappointment. So, yeah. So this is muddy water in a way, because on the one hand, we're saying make a plan, right? So that, and and detail your plan in such a way that you can reach the outcome that you want, right? Yep. And then we're saying, but let go of the outcome, blah, 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 right? And so it can feel a little confusing. But in fact, I think, so just for clarification, it's we are saying those things, but they're different in a way because the conscious plan is actually around helping you 
achieve the the context really right yeah. the, like these are for for structural things in your life and the letting go of the expectation is really around the letting go of things external to you so um oh, sorry yeah letting external, go of external yes. things to you right yeah. so you can change the form of things but you can't always change the deep sort of existential nature of things no that's does true. that make sense uh, yeah did i make sense yeah more or less i need a dictionary to look okay. all those words up okay. but <laughs> Do you, do you do you go to university or something? Duh. <laughs> it's it's uh yeah. I think that just understanding that I, you know that piece of no matter how well you plan, you don't know what's going to come in. That's what I wanted to say. Yeah, you said it for I me know, perfectly. I live on the street. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, you don't know what's going to cur- turn that corner all of a sudden, um, and. And that's that really just leads into that whole area of, of resilience. Right. Know? And resilience, you know, some people have it a little bit more than others, but it's something that can actually be, be learned. And yep. it's not, you know, you don't feel that you're terribly resilient. You don't feel that you can, like, hit the wall and fall down and, you know, jump right back up and brush yourself off and keep going. Uh, of course, don't go in the same direction because you have to go around that wall this time, you see. Uh, that, that resilience allows you to do that. Uh, and it's something that can be learned. Right. And I think resilience is also related to self-awareness. I mean, totally. Right. Totally. It's also something about not being uh, subject to learned uh, helplessness. Yep. Absolutely. You know, I think that um, if we watched and we learned that whole area around, you know, learned helplessness, that resilience will become much, much more difficult because we're looking for someone else to, you know, pick us up and dust us off. And... I don't know, but I'm finding that there's a shortage of knights on white horses that are coming through lately. <laughs> you know, um, the women are complaining to me all the time about this. Uh, of course, I hate horseback riding, so I said, "Well, don't expect me to be up there." Um, you know, it's, uh, it's it's just sort of things are changing. So we want to be able to prepare ourselves and for for a change. It's a, you know we're looking at taking a totally different direction in our life, and so we're going to have this conflict we talked about. Yeah, uh, and what I like about the plan idea. Um, and where it fits in resilience is this is uh, so I have some clients who'll be like I don't want to make a plan because it's going to nail me down and I'm going to have to follow it through etc etc but the plan is just a plan you're allowed to change your plan right think of it going on a trip you can change and go any direction you want eventually Mm -hmm. you just have to get off the ground Mm -hmm. (laughs) so Gord how do we prepare ourselves for change well, I think that, you know, we have to I think, recognize that we're going to have a conflict, and that is what we have is the old and what is the new is going to be, you know, it's going to have that t- tension, which is what we talked about a couple of weeks ago of that whole thing of dissonance, that cognitive dissonance when we have two different ideas floating around. Right. And and they have to be reconciled somehow, you know. Uh, um, you know, maybe it's just eventually, uh, uh, you know, just becoming ambivalent towards it. But um, I think, you know, writing about it, keeping a journal on it, um, staying somewhat aware as to, you know, what is it that we're feeling, uh, you know, or this coming up, you know, the the uh, if we do have that tension, that tension's getting into in the way, then we also need to get better stress management tools. Yeah. So I think yeah. of immediately the big boom in the mindfulness based stress reduction. Oh, stuff, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Which is about self-awareness and being in, you know, being internal, being in that internal moment. Well, I think it's, it's recognizing that there is stress. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think that we're we're stress fatigued. I've said this a, a couple of times. Uh, I, we're just so tired of hearing, well, it's stress, it's stress, it's stress. 
but we don't realize that stress can kill us. In fact, 90% of why you went to the doctor this week is probably stress-related. And that we can do something about stress by stepping back from the stressful situations. And a lot of times we don't give ourselves the time to do that or the space to do that. Nope. And it's how we think. Yeah. Stress, stress is completely dependent upon our perception of it. What you and I can be doing exactly the same thing. We could be doing this right now. We're, we're, on, we're on the air, we're talking, and one of us, heart is racing and screaming, and we have you know, all of the symptoms of public speaking problems, and the other one is like, hey, I am loving this, and totally laid back. You've got so, the groove on. Yeah, exactly. We're doing exactly the same thing. So what's going on And that is somebody, one of us is perceiving it in a way that is very, very stressful. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, and that then just sets up a whole series of problems. Uh, you know, in our bodies and in our minds. So stress, you know, that will also, the more stress we get, the more likely we are also to self-criticize and to find wrong with ourselves. That's that evil inner critic. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Inner critic, the outer judge, the big bad parent, all of those voices in our head, you know, that's either pointing outward, mostly pointing inwards and telling us that, you know, we're not doing so well right now. So, um, you know, I think that's how we prepare ourselves. And it comes back to that awareness and awareness that actually has you doing something. So what I hear you say is that to make changes in the external, you have to first be internal. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. I think I think everything starts with the internal. Yep. You know, and internally, um, I think that we need to go to a break here, unfortunately. Sounds so, good. Uh, this is uh, Things Worth Considering here at Voice America. And uh, I'm Gordon Dell with Dr. Jan Hill, and we will be back in just a few seconds. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel, voiceamericaempowerment.com. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, 
joy and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. The White House Doctor Makes House Calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell and Dr. Jan Hill. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now, back to Things Worth Considering. Hi there. We're back for our final segment at Things Worth Considering. It's not our final segment. It's just our final segment for this show. Um, so we're talking about change. We're talking about being conscious about making change rather than it being something that just happens to us. And one of the things in, is, is how do we manage change? And it's like one day at a time. It kind of sounds like an AA meeting, but it's one day at a time is how we get through it all. Um, <clears throat> some of these ideas are actually from the Harvard Business Review. Uh, they have done quite a bit of work in, in the whole area of uh, managing change at the corporate level, which, of course, is actually managing change at all your employees' level. In other words, it's all about people. You know, there's a couple of really interesting uh uh, things that were done in terms of introducing something to an assembly line. And the one person had a very good rapport with the woman and went up and said, hey, listen, when we do, I, I want to introduce this, you know, widget, but I want you to wash it before it goes into, you know, this, this uh, assembly. And she, you know, went ahead, she did it because they had this great rapport. She's like, yeah, this really works and, and so on. In comes another guy, an engineer, and walks up, has no rapport really with her, and said, okay, so I want you to do this and just put this in and, and so on. So she takes the first piece and goes, eh, no, it won't work. And the second, won't work. And there was, because that rapport wasn't there, and by the way, it was almost an identical piece, uh, that rapport, she wasn't being recognized for the work that she was doing. Mm. You know, and, and I think that, you know, when it's happening at a corporate or an organization or a church or a synagogue, everyone has to be recognized as to how is this going to affect them? You know? So, you know, some of Harvard's stuff here was, was to look at what about the people? Okay. And that is, you know, we are not going to change one minute before we are ready. And we, we're really going to put up a lot of resistance to that. 
and I know all about that. Um, you know, uh, we have to have sort of some new habits to replace our old ones. Yeah, people have to know. Like if you're thinking organizationally, people have to know what it is that they're supposed to be changing. So there has to be a clear direction. Well, yeah, but even even individually, right? you know, I sure. mean, it's, it's kind of like uh, if you go to, let's say, I'm going to stay with the A meeting because we understand those ones. If the A meeting, you know, the, that drink is replaced by a cup of coffee now, you know, uh, or, you know, not eating between meals is now, you know, gum or, or mm-hmm. you know, something. But it, there's some sort of a replacement there. Uh, cigarettes, uh, you're quitting smoking, you're going to replace with something that you're going to. To, uh, uh, you know, gum or, or something like that. Not carrots. that it's great for your teeth. No. Carrots. Carrots. <laughs> exactly, right. exactly. There you go, your gums. Uh, you know, peer support. And, and uh, you know, having people around us that have the same kind of problems is, is crucial. Now, do you know, this, this was actually discovered back in 1905. Uh, with tuberculosis patients. Oh, tell me about it, that. Didn't know. Well, Joseph Pratt, um, he uh, brought people together, all who suffer from tuberculosis, which, if you recall, in the early 1900s, was really a huge problem in North America. And he would bring them together, and together they would get the, the fresh air and the sunshine and all the things that was, was sort of a treatment for, for uh, tuberculosis back then, uh, long before we had uh, antibiotics. But they they were able to talk, sort of talk each other through, you know, making sure that they did go out and they did get the mm-hmm. fresh air and they did get the, the sunshine and, and everything that was prescribed back then. So that, that, of course, then has just been evolved into a, a number of areas. I mean, self-help groups are everywhere. Right. And in terms of life enhancement, in terms of like in the coaching industry, right, one of the big things is you hang out with the people who you want to emulate. Absolutely. Hang out with the people who share your values. And I always think of the story of the ugly duckling, right? Sometimes people are born into a family that they just don't fit in. And so they go, this is my biological family. I don't fit in here. And so they think something is wrong with themselves. But really, if they go out into the world like the ugly duckling did and f- realize that they actually are a swan they, and join the swan family, create their little swan family, then they're, they see themselves reflect, reflected back to them. Absolutely. And that can be very, very empowering. And it also makes it easier to be a swan when you hang out with swans. That's what I found. Yeah. Yeah. I found out when I started hanging out with them up in Stratford. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we it's have a swan huge, song. huge population up there in the swan song, really. I started singing <laughs> that, actually. Uh, they said get back to Toronto. Uh, <laughs> uh, another, another important one is getting a sponsor, like sponsorship or mentorship. Um, and, and that is, you know, getting someone that is, you know, three paces ahead of us or 25 paces ahead of us that can teach us, you know. I think th- there's a bit of a resurgence in mentorship out there. Certainly sponsor, you know, if you go to uh, any of the 12-step programs, all, you know, you get a sponsor eventually. Uh, but just having a mentor, sort of someone senior maybe where you work or whatever, that is going to show you the ropes and keep you uh, – uh, you know, moving upwards uh, just simply because of what they've they've experienced and what what they know. I also think that deepens our commitment to that to that change. You know, uh, you know, if you're going into medicine and you're an intern and you're a resident, then you are tied to one of the specialists, and that is your mentor, and they are going to teach you, uh, uh, which just deepens really does deepen your commitment and gets great results out of you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as a person, you know. Um, I don't know what else is there. Uh, 
you know. I think there's this idea that community, in a non-hierarchical community where you can have a greater exchange of information, that that can actually be a catalyst for change because you have more cross-fertilization of ideas. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering where that place is, though. <laughs> everything's, <laughs> well, everything's hierarchical. There's new leadership. There's a lot of leadership models out there that uh, that are used in corporate that break down this hierarchy. The hierarchy remains there in terms of decision-making and implementation, but in terms of information collecting mm. around how do you're going to make a change, how do people feel about this, like the person, the widget person washing the widget, right? A, uh, a good sort of community-based leadership model would be uh, based on the idea that the leader would come out and actually ask those people how they feel about washing the widget first. What's the best way to wash the widget? How would you do that? Then they go back to their to their office. They make a plan. They disseminate the plan. They say, we're following the plan for five months based on everything y'all told me. This is what we're doing. And then in five months, everybody comes back and says, this is how the widget washing went. Right. Right. <laughs> and we have the cleanest widgets ever. Yeah. So there's this there's this non-hierarchical piece uh, or less hierarchical piece built in certainly to the information gathering and the agenda setting, the planning stage. Right. 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 The implementation, sure, it's still hierarchical in many yeah. ways. Well, the government because of accountability, legal. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? You know. Uh, you know. The continuous introspection. You know. It's just always. You know, always being aware of what's going on on the inside for you. I think, you know, those big surprises come to us when we stop knowing what's on the inside. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and acknowledge the small wins that you have. When you feel good inside, you go, yeah, right on. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And get the that people well. that you want to keep company with to go out and help you celebrate on those small wins. Because it really is true. You know, it's like um, uh, one of the things I read was if you take the top five people that you hang out with, their income, that's and, and you know, take an average of it of the top your your five closest friends, take their incomes. Mm-hmm. All right, that's probably what your income is. Huh. Isn't that interesting? That's really interesting. I'm doing the math in my head. I know it's zero both times. That's hilarious. But I think what's most important, and we hear this over and over again, is that you know the goal for us is not perfection. It's about progress. Yeah. You know, that, that step by step, moving forward. Uh, uh, if you have to tread water for a day, that's okay as long as you're good at it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, ultimately, it, it really is, you know, getting off of that that voice inside of us that is like, okay, you know, uh, shouldn't we be further along than this? Uh, you know, and that's, and that's just really scary uh, that, uh, you know, we, we uh, have such a perfectionistic thing that even small move forward movement just isn't enough. Mm-hmm. Why couldn't you be bigger? Yeah, so I always think about things, again, in terms of the, the energy, right? If it's away from energy, it often feels like I can't get away from it fast enough, right? Yeah. If it's towards energy, sure, you want to go as fast as you can. But you know what? As long as you're moving, just moving a tiny step at a time, every step counts. And I really believe that if it, if it slows down, that's telling you you need time to rest. You need time to um, take sometimes a step back a little and accept that the piece that you're trying to create perhaps isn't actually ready to come into to being yet. Yeah, I, I think you know that's that introspection again. Um, you know, using using you know this as that sort of metaphor is you know people who are depressed you know have stopped. There is no motion forward motion for them. 
it's like they're frozen. Mm-hmm. And one of the very first things in working with people, you know, of varying degrees of, you know, uh, uh, you know, from mild through to severe depression is get them moving. Mm-hmm. Just, mm-hmm. just a walk. Just uh, get off that sofa. You know, get out of bed. Uh, take a shower. But it's actually creating movement is a is a, a really you know a positive way of moving someone through depression. Uh, and I'm not saying just because they can walk around the block now that they're not depressed. Uh, but I think it becomes part of an overall treatment uh, treatment plan. It's just knowing that. So you know, we get into trouble when we stop knowing how to cope. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, you know, again, staying in touch here. And I think there's a number of ways that we can, you know, uh, look at how do we cope when we've got big changes that are taking place? That's a really important question because the coping skills are key to being able to maintain the change. Yeah. Right. Totally. And being able to maintain the plan for the change. Right. So some of the things that we can do are just actually, I mean, you've already touched on it. It's just acknowledge the thing that things are changing and this is what life is. Yep. Right. We have a tendency, I think, to think often that our personal struggles are just our own. And yet when you look out into the big world and recognize that we've all got our struggles and our challenges, then, you know, that helps us sometimes to recontextualize our own struggles I mean, there's the personal struggle, and then there's the human struggle. Yes, there is. Right? <laughs> and mine's more important. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, just just the basic stress stuff that we know, uh, you know, making sure that we eat properly, uh, nutritionally, we exercise, um, sleeping properly, you know, getting enough sleep, um, reaching out for support. Yeah. That's a hard one for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I can I can be reached out too, but I'm not very good at reaching out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I find that too. A lot of people do really, really well on a schedule. Right. Right. So all those moments where you're like, oh, is this working? Is it not working? Like it's funny, right? On the one hand, we're we don't want to distract ourselves from the problem, but on the other hand, having a schedule where we where you might think, oh, that's a distraction from the deeper inner work. Yeah, it, it might actually be, but it might actually work for you. Absolutely. Because you know, then you're just moving through the tasks. Yep. Stay away from social media. All that does is set you up to find a point of comparison. Yeah. And when you need to vent, but only up to a point, you know, and cut yourself some slack. Yeah. You know, those are those are just so, so important. But you know what? I talked about, there's also a secret here. What's It's really not good? a secret. <laughs> it's just that nobody talks about it. And it is so absolutely crucial and that is the secret rarely spoken of is stop reacting, learn to not react to the world, learn how to respond to the world. Yes. So how? Do, how? <laughs> no, your point is really well taken. Did, did, I, did I leave you speechless? Oh, my God. That's a first. My Valentine is speechless. <laughs> true, true. So it's about what you're talking about is emotional regulation, right? So taking that moment, that step aside, that step back to say, wait a minute, you know, I don't have to react to something. It I doesn't have to just... be this big. Oh, my God. It's so big. Stop the drama. Drop the drama. Take the crown off. And, you know, just take a breath and ask yourself, how can you respond to this in a different way that doesn't whip all of the energy out of you and everyone, you know, in the room? It's kind of like sucks the oxygen right out of the room when when some people go into this. And it's huge. We have watched people. I mean, 
if you watch the news, it's all about people reacting to other situations or their own situation, but mm-hmm. they're reacting. Very few are calm. And those that are calm, we think, what's wrong with them? Are well, they on medication? Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> if they're reacting, they're not actually acting. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Because the acting part is the problem-solving piece. The reacting is the rebounding from the trauma or the drama. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of energy in that rebound. It had a lot of energy going out, and it doubles it on the way back in. Mm-hmm. You know, but that that ch- changes, you know, so much in how how we just live our life. If we are allowed to... You know, and by allowed to, I mean, give yourself permission to discover that people will, you know, also respond to you in a very different way than what you're used to. Because if you're, they're used to you reacting and they're like, oh God, I really don't want to go and tell her because it's going to be so big. Then, you know, there's all kinds of stuff around that and just being able to, you know, work with uh, the fact people will change based on your change. Yeah, just change yourself. Because you can't control them. They're not yeah. going to change. You can change yourself, yep. and that will have a reciprocal effect. Right yeah, now. change how you dance, and everybody around you will change their dance, as Harriet Lerner reminds uh, us in her, her various books, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, the dance of intimacy, the intimacy of everything. Yeah. We're out of time. Oh, my God. It went so quickly. It went so fast. I know. My goodness. I need a new watch. It's time to go for dinner, Gord. All right. Oh, yes, yeah, so Valentine's. We uh, hope you all have a great Valentine's and you know what? Make yourself your own Valentine. Treat yourself well. Uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. This is Dr. Jan Hill and Gord Riddell. This is uh, our fabulous show. Uh, and we want you to tell everybody about it. Things worth considering. All right. Have and a great week. You have a great week. Bye now. Thank you for tuning into Things Worth Considering. Please join your hosts, Dr. Jan Hill and Gord Riddell, for another edition next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, think about the connections in your life and how they define who you are.